The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. We continue discussing how to listen to God as a method to experience the riches of the kingdom of God. There are a myriad ways to listen to God. Today, we focus on hearing God in nature, listening to godly people as image bearers of Christ, and listening to the Holy Spirit in ourselves. A book by Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God, is a rich example of listening to the Spirit and a reminder of the incredible divinity of God in the smallest of things. The path to true riches is listening God to God. So the first way is read the Bible, and there's a couple of keys for reading the Bible. The second thing we talked about was nature. We talked about Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, uttering speech day by day. And we talked about looking at nature and seeing, seeing God, hearing God. And I want to I hear just think about uh, one of the things that we talked about in this series of how to be rich was five things that the researchers have found that uh, wealthy people can do to keep their money from making them miserable, which is the norm. Money mainly makes people miserable. And this was advice from this study of five things they could do. And they were uh, two fasting principles. If you like something, to kind of space it out. You know, you can buy all the chocolate in the world, don't don't do it. You'll you'll end up hating chocolate. You know, kind of parse it out a little bit, and and that so that's frequency. And then also there was this timing: pay first, enjoy later, was another principle. And then they had buy experiences instead of stuff, which makes sense, right? Because you really life is made abundant when you enjoy sharing it with other people. So, and then and then there was. Uh, by time instead of stuff. And then when there was do things for other people. And it's interesting, by time is the most interesting to me because how do you do that? How many hours do you have in a day? How many hours do rich people have in a day? How many hours do poor people have in a day? How do you buy time? You know what that implies is that these wealthy people have gotten themselves as, as slaves to someone else. Have you been around really powerful or really wealthy people, and, and what you have to try to do is figure out how to get to their scheduler because you can't talk to them, and the scheduler determines who they will talk to and for how long. Why would you want to schedule? The scheduler is more powerful than the person is. So buy time is very interesting, and what they're really saying, I think, is not buy time, it's redeem your time so you can spend it on what you really care about. And what you should care about is doing things with other people that you enjoy doing with. The best way to redeem your time is to order your life where you always spend time with other people that you enjoy doing stuff with. That'd be the ideal, wouldn't it? I, that's, that's, that's what I work on and mostly have pulled it off. Uh, I, I have the, just the greatest life there is. I work with people I like. I live with people I like. Uh, I, I like I like you guys, huh? 
I like you. You know, and, and, and I engage with people I don't like. But most of that is my service to others that I do. And I do it mostly with the people I like. So it's a good thing to angle for. But this, this, this buy time, this redeem time, uh, we could use it to this nature concept. Because nature's around us all the time. And let me just challenge you to do something. I've, I try to do this, and I find it's incredibly helpful to me. I used to have a really, an office with a really fantastic view. I don't have that anymore. But... Uh, yeah, he has a view of a garage, yeah. But uh, when I did, I would take a window breaks, and I would just, man, look at those clouds, and just think about how amazing those clouds are from time to time. You don't have to have a view to do this thing. There's always amazing stuff going on around us. I mean, you can even, you can even uh, burp or something and think, now where did that come from? <laughs> Isn't that amazing, all the little things going on down in my bowels? And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm eating this stuff, chewing it up. It tastes good, and then it goes down. And something down there, there's all these little factories down there. And there's little trucks that come and pick it up and take it to the Walmart distribution center. And they parse it out, and this goes over here, and that goes over there. And then they go, the assembly line starts, and they start breaking it down. And, and then I, I can talk and eat and think. And that, and that, that's unbelievable what's going on inside of me. And I don't, I'm not even having to direct it all. Or you can walk by and flip on the light and think, how do those electrons know to do that? Isn't that amazing? You can, th- you can think about the person across from you and, and, and ask, how do they know what I'm saying? I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> so I think the heavens declare the glory of God. You can just redeem little snippets of time and just be aware. It's amazing the stuff that's going around us all the time. How does, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. How do we not just fly off the world? You know, what if God just said, I'm just going to stop this spinning just for a second. Everything just flies off. The heavens declare the glory of God. I think it's, it's, just, worth, it's just worth some snippets of time. Okay, well, the third thing was listen to others. Jesus said to the disciples when he sent the 70 out, he said, when they listen to you, they're listening to me. So when we listen to one another, we're buying gold from God when when we hang around godly people. And we have a friend that used to say, you can't be like people you're not around. So one thing is to make a deliberate effort to be around people that are going to get you rich. It's not uncommon for people to figure out how to be around people that have a lot of money. People that have a lot of money have you know, islands in the Bahamas and they have vacation homes and they have jet airplanes and stuff. And it's fun to go do all that stuff, especially since you can leave and they have all the problems, right? <laughs> and so it's, it's not uncommon. But that stuff just comes and goes. So we're talking about riches that last, Gold that lasts. And, and if we're around godly people that can help us live godly lives, then we're really being smart. Being around rich people is a smart thing to do. And the richest people are the ones with wisdom. And if we can hang around those people, it's a, it's a great way to get rich. 
So our, our church, to the extent that we have people that aren't in small groups or don't have a circle of friends that they can integrate with, aren't engaged in serving, you know, one great way to be around great uh, godly people is to do things like work in the nursery or or being one of the youth leaders, or being a WANA's leader, or something like that. When you do that, you're giving yourself the opportunity to do this. And you may learn more from that than you do sitting and listening to a sermon, or coming to a Sunday school class and listening to me. And when we have people that aren't engaged like that, we, we need to reach out and encourage them to get engaged. Working, serving together is a fantastic opportunity to be around those godly people and hear what they have to say. And it could be that watching you know, Jamie interact with uh, young children has more impact on your growth this week than hearing something that Tim has to say. So this is something we usually don't put a real high priority on. It's, it's more like I'm serving because I'm supposed to or I'm serving to try to diminish the amount of guilt that's being put on me. Serving's a way to get rich. You're hanging around the rich people. They all have islands in the Bahamas. In the New Earth, anyway. Don't forget the parable of the unrighteous steward. Make yourself friends with unrighteous money that they'll invite you into their eternal home, their eternal Biltmore. You'll get on the invitation list to their Biltmore. Well, I think, that, I think that also applies to this. It's not just doing it with money. It's your time. And you redeem your time when you hang around godly people. And when you do life with godly people, you get putting each other on your invitation list and just making yourself an enrichment forevermore. James 1, if you want to turn that, since it's a Sunday school class, we've got to use the Bible at least once. And just look at 126. If anyone among you thinks he's religious. So now I'm going to do an entire sermon and I'm going to determine what if anyone among you thinks he's religious means without any context. Just an example. No, I'm not going to do that. So look at this uh, 1 verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, it's another book to believers. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, swift to hear. What are we talking about? What's the word? Listening, talking about listening. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If you really listen to someone, it's hard to go to wrath because you have to set aside your own thoughts in order to hear what they have to say. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your lives. Sukkot. So we're talking about saving our lives from what? What's the context talking about here? What's in here that you would like to be delivered from? Well, yeah, trials in the verse one, but what's in this verse? Yeah, would you do you like filthiness? Mark, uh, you in particular. Do you like filthiness and disorder? <laughs> would you like to be delivered and preserved from that? Please. Okay. How about wickedness? Do you like wickedness? You want all of that you can get? Or would you like to be delivered from wickedness? 
How about, uh, oh, well, those are the two things. Filthiness, overflow, wickedness. So you want to be delivered from that? How do you do it? Receive with meekness the implanted word. How do you do that? Listen. And how do you do that? You start by listening to people. If you listen to people, you're learning to listen. And when you listen, learn to listen to people, you're learning to set aside your own wrath. Because instead of not listening to them and just waiting for their mouth to stop moving so you can blast them, you're with your wrath, you're actually trying to understand, well, what are you saying? Why are you saying it? What's your perspective? I may or may not agree with it, but I'm going to listen to it. And that's training your soul to set aside wickedness and overflow of evil so you can receive the Word. And what better people to listen to than godly people? But you can practice this, this on ungodly people. You can actually listen to them and should. But the best thing to do is listen to godly people because they're going to help you deliver your life from the pollution of wickedness and overflow of evil. Deliver your life, save your soul. Deliver your life, save your soul. You automatically, if you say deliver your life, you think, well, what? Deliver it from what? Save your soul. Hell. Kind of making the other point. So the fourth thing that we talked about is listening to God. And we talked about that the Spirit's actually talking to us all the time. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Spirit because the Spirit is going to talk to you and tell you the things that I could tell you, but you can't handle it right now. I could tell you this, you can't handle it. I'm going to let the Spirit, and He's going to speak to you the things He hears. Speaking. It's real interesting. There's a book that's a Christian classic called... uh, Practicing the Presence of God. Anybody know this book? You know it? You know when it was written? It's about a guy named Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was a French... He worked in a French monastery. He was, work, he was on the kitchen staff in the 1600s. And this is still one of the main books about practicing the presence of God in Christianity. Still in print. Still widely circulated, still influential from the 1600s. He was on the kitchen staff. Let me just read you a little bit about it. The first time I saw Brother Lawrence was on August 3rd, 1666. There's another thing about Brother Lawrence. He didn't write any of the book. He never wrote anything. He said, every time I tried to write something down, it was so inferior compared to what was going on in my soul, I just immediately tore it up. So these are all people writing about conversations they had with the kitchen staff guy. He never made it, even made it in to be a monk. So the first time I saw Brother Lawrence was on August 3rd, 1666. During our conversation, he told me many things among them that God had done him a remarkable favor in his conversion at age 18. That winter, seeing a tree stripped of its leaves and considering that within a little time the leaves would be renewed and the flowers and fruit would appear, he received a high view of the providence and power of God that never left his soul. There's your nature observation. Psalm 19 in action. 
This view perfectly set him loose from the world and kindled in him such a great love for God he could not tell whether it had increased during the more than 40 years since then. Actually, I think you can say it has. He had been a footman to this particular guy and he, and he himself was a great awkward fellow who broke everything. And he had desired to be accepted into a monastery thinking maybe there he would suffer for his awkwardness and the faults he would commit so he would sacrifice his life and pleasures to God, which was a common thinking in those days. I need to suffer in order to hit God. And he said it was, he was disappointed severely because he thought he was supposed to be suffering and he was really happy. Brother Lawrence ended the conversation by saying that if it was my intention to serve God sincerely, I should come to him as often as I pleased without any fear of being troublesome. But if it was not my intention, not to bother him anymore. (laughs) He understood some things, didn't he? Uh, Let's see. This is uh, from a guy named Nicholas Herman who died in 1691. He says that there are no comprehensive biographies of Brother Lawrence is both ironic and perfect. Ironic because he stands today as a man of profound influence in classic Christian literature and we have a natural curiosity about him and perfect because his life was never about him. He was a simple man who simply served God. And the main way he served God was by washing dishes. In fact, he never even wrote a book. The book you're about to read is a compilation of letters and recollections of conversations that were assembled after his death. Brother Lawrence was a Carmelite monk. Oh, I was wrong. He was a monk. Who was born Nicholas Herman in the Lorraine province of France sometimes around 1605. Nobody knows the exact date of his birth because he was so humble nobody bothered to record it. He was in a Carmelite order. And he took on the name Brother Lawrence. He was assigned to kitchen duty, preparing food and washing dishes and mopping floors. Amidst the steaming pots and pans, he entered into conversation with God. He admitted distaste for kitchen drudgery day in and day out. So he's very human. But more important, the secret of his grace that he disliked it was beside the point. That he used it to serve God was the gift. He transformed drudgery into devotion. And therein is the lesson we learn as we browse his letters and eavesdrop on conversations held hundreds of years ago. This is a quote from uh, Brother Lawrence. The time of business does not differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were on my knees at the blessed sacrament. Brother Lawrence says of his constant conversation with God, I make it my business to rest in his holy presence, which I keep myself in by habitual, habitual, silent and secret conversation with God. This often causes me joys and raptures inwardly and sometimes so outwardly so great I'm forced to use means to moderate them. Doesn't want to bother the people around him. It's tempting to think Brother Lawrence's grace came easily that he was a serene and joyful monk who smiled and moved gently through his days, but this was not the case. He was, in fact, a very human man prone to anxiety and melancholy. His nature, however, was secondary to his relationship with God. He suffered from sciatic gout and created great agony while he was in the kitchen. 
But, he said, we ought not to grow tired of doing little things for the love of God, who regards not the greatness of the work, but the love in which it's performed. So here's a guy who's in kitchen duty. And because he took menial tasks and did them for the devotion of God, became immensely joyful as a person and drew people to come and talk to him and ask, how are you doing this? And 500 years later, we're still reading about it. 400 years later, we're still reading about it. Why? Well, I think one reason is because he was in a monastery and people kind of expect amazing things to happen in monasteries. There's probably a lot of people like this that didn't get talked to. But another reason is, I think, because this subject doesn't get talked about enough. There should be, there should be books galore on this. But we can all write the book in our own lives. There's no such thing as a menial task in the eyes of God. He gave us an example of the main thing that he wanted to focus on in terms of serving other people. What is it? One example he used over and over again. A cup of cold water in his name. So you got to go to the cistern. you got to take a pot. you got to walk down the stairs, dip it out, come back up, pour some out. It's trouble. I mean... I, I know all you males when you had back in the days when you had a water bottle in the refrigerator. I know that when it got down to half an inch, you stopped drinking it. I know that instead of filling it up, right? Right? Yeah. So, and the females too. Did you do it too? Is that what Harry giggled there? Yes. Yeah, so that's we 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 go out of our way not to have any trouble. So, a cup of cold water is trouble. But it's something most anybody can do. And that's the example Jesus used. A menial thing just to do it, take a little effort to go out of your way to do something in his name. And that's Brother Lawrence's point. Everything we do, business, children, family, neighbors, church, everything we do is, not, is all hugely meaningful. It's changing the whole universe every time we do anything in Jesus' name. And how do we do that? We have an ongoing conversation with him all the time. What do you want me to do next? I think the most important prayer we can pray might be, what do you want me to do next? How do you want me to treat this person? Because listening to God is more important than talking to God. He wants to hear our petition. Righteous man of a, a prayer of a righteous man avails much. I'm not saying don't talk to God. But I am saying listening to God is how we get gold. And riches. And we can do that just as an ongoing conversation, just like Brother Lawrence did. So we like to be rich. We want riches that last. We want riches you don't have to worry about spoiling or being stolen. We want riches that'll compound forever. We don't we don't want to, the stock market or some external force to take it away from us. And this is the way we get it. Listen to God. And listening to God involves reading His Word, reading what it actually says, being paying attention to the world around us. It's speaking to us all the time. Listening to others, especially godly people, because God can be speaking through them and is all the time. And having an ongoing conversation with God, even in things that the world says is menial. But there's no such thing 
as menial in the economy of God. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.